Kavalik, so today's daf is daf Lamed Beis, page 32 of Masechus Yavamas. And we are wrapping up the Gemara, which is explaining the Mishnah on Lamed Aleph Lamed Beis. We are up to Amar Rava, um, Nasan Get Lema'amarai. Okay, so it's the last word on the fourth line from the top of the Amud, Amar Rava. And we are picking up, let's just explain, get our heads back in the game over here. Um, we're, we're explaining the Mishnah. The Mishnah started out by what seemingly was a simple case. Three brothers were married to three women, and none of these women were related to each other. One of the brothers dies childless. We'll call him Reuven. Shimon goes ahead and does mimer on his brother's widow. So now Shimon has mimer on the widow and plus his own wife. Okay, again, going back to the time where this before the Chachamim, the rabbis made their decree. And then Shimon passes away. So now Levi's going to have um, these two women who are falling to him. And the problem is, Reuven's widow also has the mimer of Shimon. So she's falling to him from two, uh, you know, from two brothers. And the Pasuk says, only umes echad mayhem. You can only do yibum when a woman falls to you from one of the brothers. This woman, this widow is now connected in two ways. And now Shimon's other wife is her tzara. So the Mishnah says, you do chalitza. That was the opinion of the Tanakhama. So that's what we're picking up. Rav is coming to explain um, a different case, a little bit of a twist to the case of our Mishnah. So here we go. Amar Rava. Rava says, Nosan get Let's say, you got it? So here's what happened. Shimon did mimer on Reuven's widow. Okay, so far so good. Then he gives her a get. And then he dies. So Hutra Tsarasa, Levi can now do Yibum on Shimon's original wife. Because again, the only reason why Shimon's original wife couldn't have Yibum is because the second wife whom Mimer was done to was now was getting in the way because of her issue of now coming from two brothers. But if Get was given to that woman... So now Shimon's only with his original wife. And now if he would pass away childless, Levi would have the mitzvah of Yibum. Says the Gemara to end off, Avolhi Asura. The, widow, the woman who was divorced from Shimon, okay, who Shimon removed the mimer from, she is going to be forbidden to Levi. Why? Because... The machalfa means that she might be switched around. It might be confused with a regular case of a yavama, where by a regular uh, by a regular yavama who receives a get, we know that you're no longer allowed to do yibo. Over here, since get was given to her, there is confusion. Hence, Levi is not allowed to do yibo on that second wife of Shimon, Gavaldik. Ikeda Amri, there are those who say a little differently. If Shimon gave a get to the woman he did Maimer to, then not only Shimon's original wife, Mutter to Levi, but even the second wife. My Taima, what's the reason for this? Because, listen, the whole problem is now out the window. What was the problem by, done by his Maimer? Is that he now caused Ruvain's widow to, you know, if he were to die, he caused Reuven's widow to now fall from Reuven and himself to Levi. But if he divorced her beforehand, that issue is out of the way. Hence, Levi is allowed to do Yibum even on that original wife 
of Levi. So this is this is interesting. Keep in mind, there's a there's a new element that we're pulling away from this um, in this step, and that's like this: if one brother does mimer and then removes the mimer, there's still the possibility of the additional brothers to do yibum on this woman. Okay. It's not like you did a chalitza on her, but you do chalitza, you know, one brother does chalitza on the, on the Yavama, so then all the brothers are done. Over here, if you just remove the mimer, the, not all the brothers are done. You, all, their mimer's gone, but she's, according to the Sikadamri, she's retaining her original status of being Ruvain's widow. Okay, Gavaldik, end of the Gemara. We now discuss uh, um, a brand new case as we begin the next Mishnah. All right, so here we go. I want to give a little bit of an introduction. A little bit of an introduction, we'll talk outside before we read this inside. If you have two brothers who marry two sisters, okay? Not so rare, not so rare. You have a, you know, brother and a, you have one guy marries, you know, a woman from a different family, and then uh, his brother decides he likes his sister-in-law's sister. You know, so two brothers from one family end up marrying two sisters in a different family, no problem whatsoever. Okay, there's no, no transgression there. And according to Allah, that's going to be okay. One of the brothers passes away. Now, we have the mitzvah of Yibam. He passes away childless, and now there's a mitzvah of Yibam. Then, so before we get to the then, does his wife fall to Yibam? No, because his wife has a pre-existing condition. You're, you've been married to this, uh, to this widow's sister. You're not allowed to marry her. You can't, once you marry a woman, you're not, you're forbidden to all of her sisters, right? So, then the second brother, the brother who's still alive, his wife passes away. Now the prohibition of marrying somebody who was your, who is your wife or was your wife's sister is only in her lifetime. But if your wife now passes away, the prohibition is no longer in existence. Okay? So says the Mishnah, says the Mishnah, you know, let's read this inside. Let, let's read this inside. So here we go. Two brothers marry two sisters. One of the brothers passes away. And then Shimon's wife, the second brother's wife, passes away. The original widow is forbidden to Shimon forever. Because she was already forbidden to him for one moment. The moment that she entered the category of being a Yavama, she was prohibited to Shimon, because Shimon was married to her sister. You're not allowed to marry a woman if you've already married her sister. Okay, even if you were to divorce her sister, according to the Torah, you're not allowed to marry her afterwards, in her lifetime. So, since at the time that she fell as a widow, there was the prohibition, it remains olamis, it's going to, the prohibition is going to remain forever. Okay, says the Gemara, Pshita. Pshita, it's simple. Hashta, now, Mesa, Umahasam, in our earlier Mishnah over there, where the Yavama was not completely sent away from the home, you still say that she's not allowed to the remaining brother, she's been completely separated from the household forever, like Koshkein, how much more so? Let's explain. This is great. This is great, great, great. Listen, this is, this is straight up Lumdus. All right, straight up Lumdus. Listen to, listen to this Svar, it's amazing. Three brothers, follow the case, ready? Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. Those are their names. Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. Ruvain and Shimon each married a sister. They're married to two sisters, no problem whatsoever. 
Levi's married to a regular woman. Fine. Ruvain dies. Childless. His wife is going to fall to Shimon and Levi as a Yavama, except that she doesn't really fall to Shimon because she's an Erva to Shimon. So the only, the only guy she has an option to marry is Levi because Shimon's married to her sister. So that idea is out the window, right? So the Gemara wants to know, what's our added Chiddush over here to say there's no Yibam? If in that case there's no Yibam, if Shimon had done Mimer, if Levi can't do it because Shimon did Mimer, why over here? Says the Gemara Gishmak, ready? When there's three brothers and Reuven dies, as soon as Reuven's widow became a widow, was there somebody in the family available in a Torah way to marry her? Yeah, Levi. And still we say that if Shimon had done Mimer, it's not allowed. Says the Gemara, a question. In our case, where there's only two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, Levi's not around. And they're married to sisters. And the older brother dies. Isn't that a bigger reason to not allow Yibam? And I'll tell you why. Because over here, there's no additional brother who she ever fell to as a Yavama. As soon as her husband died, she's completely excluded in halacha from any possibility of marrying a family member. There's no brothers available to marry her. As opposed to the case where Levi was alive, there is a brother available. So that's a, that's a, you know, that's a, even a bigger Kiddush to say you can't. So ask the Gemara Kasha, amazing. A great, great question. Once you tell me by three brothers that she leaves the family and it can't be done, why do you need to tell me our Mishnah where, uh, where there's no third brother, there's, there, there's no greater Kiddush? Answers the Gemara, I'll tell you an answer. Tana, hai tana beresha. Straight up, classic Gemara answer, and that is, you're right. There's no added novel idea. There's no added Chiddush that's taking place over here. Ah, we know there's not a single extra word in a Mishnah. Even the way it's written is necessary. Says Gemara, you're right, it was just taught in a different order. But first we taught the second Chiddush, where there, was one, where there was two brothers. And then we taught three brothers. And since three brothers are big Chiddush, it became more Chaviv on the Tana. It became more beloved to the Tana. And therefore we listed, and, and therefore he wrote it first. But Eina Chanami, he's not writing the second case second because he feels he's teaching us an added Chiddush. He knows there's no bigger Chiddush when you're in the family of two brothers. He knows that. But, he's, but he left it for a second because he preferred to teach his more recent Chiddush first. Okay. Here we go. Says the Gemara Viter. Tana Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, so should we, what happens if there's a Yavama that's forbidden to a brother, but he doesn't care? Ba'aleha. He had Bia, or we'll call this Znus, it was Mizana with his brother's widow while he was married to her sister. Listen to this. This woman who you just had an affair with, you now have, you're now, it's a double transgression. We'll see what the difference is. But remember, Reuven was married to a woman. Then his, his brother was married to his wife's sister. His brother passes away and he goes and he has an affair with his, with his, his brother passed away. He has an affair with the widow. 
So now she was prohibited from the Torah in two ways. There's two reasons why she's prohibited to him. Why? Number one is your brother's wife. Now let him marry your, uh, uh, your brother's wife. Number two is she's your wife's sister. Okay? So there's two transgressions here. This is the opinion of Rebbeisi. Now you're going to say, what's the halachic difference? We'll learn. We'll, we'll see that there, there's a big halachic difference. First of all, if something was done bishogig, so then depends how many karbonos you got to bring. That's first of all. Second of all, there's different, there's different types of penalties that a court imposes depending on what the actual uh, biblical transgression was. Here we go. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi says they're both, both transgressions remain in place. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon says, No, the only prohibition that, that remained in place is the prohibition of her being your brother's wife. But you're, it's not, it's an, we don't take into account the transgression that she was also your wife's sister. We'll see what the difference is. Rabbi Shimon says you're only obligated for your wife's sister. Here we said exactly the opposite. We said you're only obligated because of your, your brother's wife. Says the Gemara, like Kasha, there's no question. Khan, one case is dealing with Shenosachai, the Acharkach Mace, where first Shimon married his wife. Listen to this. Shimon got married first. And then his older brother, Reuven, married his wife's sister. Which prohibition kicked in first? The fact, this woman, when you look at her now, was she first forbidden to you because she was your wife's sister, or is she forbidden to you because she's your brother's wife? I'll tell you which transgression kicked in first. She was your wife's sister before she was your brother's wife. Again, you married your wife first. Then your brother marries, her, marries your wife's sister. Your wife's sister has been forbidden to you even before she married your brother. She was already forbidden. No. Yeah, sure she was. No, she was only forbidden for you if you were married to her sister. That's right. So here, but but you just agreed that she that before she married your brother, wasn't there a pre existing condition? Yeah, okay, that's right, that's right. But that's only true if Shimon this is the first one to get married. If Shimon married his wife first, so then Reuven's wife was already forbidden to him before the before Reuven's marriage. His wife was already forbidden to Shimon because she was his wife's sister. However, Khan, the other cases, if Reuven married a woman and then Shimon marries the woman's sister, the first transgression to kick in on Shimon, why is he forbidden to Reuven's wife? Because she was married to your brother. That's the first transgression. So the Gemara is just saying, it just depends on the order of the prohibition. Now here's the rule. Here's where it gets fascinating. Why does it, ma- why, why does it matter which one came first? Why does it matter who got married first to decide which transgression is now in place? I'll tell you. Because if you're of the opinion that ain't iser chal al iser, once something is forbidden, it's forbidden, and no other transgression can override, can take its place. So that's why I will say there's only one prohibition here. Because of the opinion, ain iser chalal iser. Once something is a transgression, the other transgression doesn't kick in at all. Now, I just want to make a discrepancy just for, I don't think anybody here is confused. Um, 
uh, about this particular rule of whether a prohibition can fall on, on a pre-existing prohibition. Um, but this is, this is just to note, this is different than a rule that we generally say in monetary law. In monetary law, we have a rule called Kimle Bidarabamine. If somebody's obligated in two, uh, pro, uh, two ob- financial obligations because of one action. So in Torah law, we only give the heavier penalty. So for example, God forbid somebody were to murder somebody else. Okay? They shoot a bullet into the guy's heart. They show up to court. Is the court going to obligate the murderer in the shirt that he tore by the bullet? So in Torah law, the answer is no. If the one action obligates you in two types of punishments, a financial penalty and let's say a capital punishment or whatever punish, whatever's going to be, be meted out by the court, the court's kind of going to not create the $15 obligation on the shirt. They're not going to add that to the tab. That's, but listen, are you st- did you still damage? Yeah, you damaged. You got it. That, that, you know, the, the obligation's there. But what the court deals with is going to be something else. Over here, it's really a different approach. Over here, what we're saying is that actually, when something's already a, a prohibition, there's a woman who's forbidden to you. The Torah says you're not allowed to marry her. She's forbidden to you. And then, for whatever reason, something else happens that would create another reason why she's prohibited to you. That second reason has nothing to latch on to. So you only remain with the first, with the first uh, prohibition. Now, again, the difference could be how many carbonos you bring, if done unintentionally. A difference could be the type of penalty. But keep that in mind. That's, a, that's the second opinion over here. And that is Ein Iser Chalal Iser. And the only Iser, the only prohibition that remains in place is going to be the original one. Okay, here we go. Says the Gemara to explain, Rebbe Shimon, and according to Rebbe Shimon, who says you're only obligated on one, whichever one came first, let's say the brother who died, Reuven, got mar- was married first. So as soon as Reuven got married, is, is Shimon, his brother, prohibited to, this, to, to Reuven's wife? Absolutely. Once your brother marries a woman, it's forbidden to marry her, okay? Then, then what happens? Kivon de Iser, then Shimon marries her sister. So now the, the original woman who's been prohibited to him is now prohibited again because now she's your wife's sister. Kivon de Iser, if you're going to say, well, listen to this. The prohibition of being the sister's wife never came into effect. So tisyavim yivumes. Listen to Gemara Gavaldi Ready? This is amazing. Two brothers are married to two sisters. Listen to this chap. It's amazing. Ruvain got married first. Shimon got married second. Ruvain dies childless. Should Shimon be allowed to marry the widow? You know what it should be? Yes. Yes? What do you mean? Isn't there a prohibition that she's your wife's sister? No, according to Rav Shimon, the only prohibition that existed was the original one, and that is your, your brother's wife. Well, she's no longer your brother's wife. Your brother kicked the bucket. So why don't we allow Yibam? 
the, the way it works is like this. Ready for this lump? This is great. The prohibition of being your sister's wife is there, but it's kind of like hanging on the outside. It's sitting in the dugout, we'll call it. Sitting on the, sitting on the bench. All right? Relief pitcher. So as soon as, or if, the prohibition of being your brother's wife is gone, well, guess what? We now have a pinch hitter. So the other prohibition immediately shoots in. But it was never fully gone. And therefore, it's still prohibited to do yibam. Okay, Gavaldik. Now, Let's go now into Rabbi Yaisi's opinion. Rabbi Yaisi was the original opinion that says, Isser Chalal Isser, that you do have a double prohibition in place on Reuven's widow. Okay? She's forbidden to you as your wife's sister, and she's forbidden to you as your brother's wife. So here we go. The saw Rabbi Yaisi, Isser Chalal Isser, does Rabbi Yaisi really agree that, that uh, Isser is, does take hold on another transgression? If a person transgresses a sin, that you're obligated into misos, nidom bechamura, you always give the more severe, uh, the more severe consequence, but that's it. Rabbi Yisim Rabbi says, no, nidom bezika rishayna abolam. It's not the matter of which one's more severe. You know what matters? Whichever one came first, whichever, trans, whichever prohibition came on the person first, that's the one that's going to remain in place, and that's the consequence, that's the penalty he's going to receive. And I'll prove it to you, Vitania, because we learned in Abraisa, in what case does Abraisi say you're always going to get the first, the first penalty that came his way, the first transgression? Listen to this case. If let's say there's a woman who's your mother-in-law, are you permitted to marry your mother-in-law in the Torah? Absolutely not. And then your mother-in-law became a married woman. How is it possible for, your, for her to be your mother-in-law and then a married woman? Very simple. <laughs> she, was, she wasn't married. That's it. A woman has a daughter. Or she's widowed. Or divorced. You marry some woman's daughter. Are you forbidden to the mother? Yeah. Torah says, once you marry a woman, you're for always forbidden to her mother. Okay. Then your mother-in-law gets married. So now, not only is she your mother-in-law, she's a married woman. Now let her have a relationship with a married woman. So she has an additional transgression that's placed upon her. And you have an affair with this woman, who's your mother-in-law and now a married woman. Says The, the consequence you're going to get biblically is whatever the consequence is on a mother-in-law, because that came first. However, let's say there was a woman who's an Eishasish. She's, she's a married woman. You let her have a relationship with a married woman? No, no man's allowed to do that. And then you marry the woman's daughter. So now she becomes your mother-in-law. Which transgression, which prohibition kicked in first? The fact that she was married. She's been forbidden to you uh, ever, ever since she got married even earlier. So nidom be'ishas is. So says Rabbi Yossi, you're going to be judged from the prohibition of marrying a married woman. So you see very clearly Rabbi Yossi's opinion is that ain iser chalal iser. Once there's a transgression, that's the only thing that we deal with. And why over here is Rabbi saying, you could have two completely separate prohibitions. We now turn to the top of Lamed Bey's, Amud Bey's, answers the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo, who says, Moda Rabbi Yossi be'iser maisif. We're getting into a, a whole fascinating uh, territory of what's called iser mosif. And here we go. Iser mosif means, if you have a, if the second transgression is adding on 
additional prohibition to more people, then he holds Isser is Chal al Isser. A prohibition can take hold on an original prohibition. So for example, if let's say you have a woman who's only forbidden to me as because she's my mother-in-law. I marry a woman's daughter. She's a single woman. I marry her daughter. Who's she forbidden to? Me. She can marry any other, any other guy in the world. There's no problem. Then she gets married. All of a sudden, she's forbidden to every fellow in the world besides for her husband. She's a married woman now. So the second transgression that kicked in added, on, it, it, it impacted and affected additional people. That's what we call Isser Mosif, the transgression, the Isser, the transgression. Mosif has now added more people. Rabbi Yossi agrees that in such a case, we're going to say Isser is Chal, does take hold al Isser on previous, uh, on previous prohibitions. Okay. Says the Gemara, Tenach, it's understandable. When Shimon got married first, before Reuven, and then Reuven died. So then we say, Migu, since the Itaisif since the prohibition of the brother's wife was adding on as far as the other brothers of Reuven and Shimon, Itaisif Therefore, even on him, even on Shimon himself, there's the additional prohibition, the additional transgression, because more people were impacted, so the so the the transgression had something to latch onto. And taka, there's going to be there's more. Uh, there's now a double prohibition, double transgression. If the brother who died first got married, Reuven got married first, and then Shimon got married. My isr myself ika. What isr myself is there? Where's the additional, uh, who, who's it impacting in addition to what originally happened? Says the Gemara, now we're going to, uh, classic Gemara. The Gemara is going to say, and I'll tell you what you might respond. Yeah, we're, we're, we're projecting what the potential responses on this question is going to be. So it says the Gemara, and don't tell me, you're going to say, that Migu, since. Um, Shimon became prohibited on all the other sisters of his wife as soon as he married this woman. Hi, Isser Kailalu. You know why? Because this is called an Isser Kail. Isser Kail is different than an Isser Maisif. Isser Maisif is when a prohibition is adding on to more people. Isser Kolal does not mean the transgression of Kolal. It means uh, inclusive prohibition. means um, th- there's, there's more inclusivity to who's being impacted. Okay? It's, it's, what's happening is more things are becoming usher to the same, to the same amount of people. Isser Mosif is when more people are being impacted. Isser Kolel is when we're adding prohibitions on the same group of people. Okay, so the bottom line is, says the Gemara, you can't give me that response. Hence, we're back to our original question. And that is, um, you see clearly, Rabbi Yaisi holds Isser is halal iser if um, no matter what, no matter which, no matter which transgression came first, and before he he held, we didn't. So we need to we need to clarify this. Answers the Gemara. Okay, so what's our goal now? Clarifying Rabbi Yossi's opinion. rather says, ani I consider it on him as if he did two averos However, if he did two averos you're only going to be obligated. On one. Rabbi Yossi considers it as if he did two 
transgressions. However, we're only going to create the chiyuv, the, 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 the consequence, right? What are you obligated on? It's only going to be on one of them. Okay? As far as where he's permitted to be buried. Okay? It's fascinating. If, um, if a person has relations with somebody who has a double prohibition against them, he's considered a Russia Gomor, and he's going to, as far as Kvuru is concerned, the, it's going to take place in a complete, in, in outside in a completely different, uh, um, you know, uh, 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 burial spot, so on and so forth. Okay, so it's more of a Achar Misa type of thing. Ubeplugta, says the Gemara, and by the way, this whole conversation is really a machlokas. When we're discussing Isser Mosef, that when a prohibition comes along and it's being added to more people, that it could take hold, or Isser Kolal, when you have a prohibition that's impacting the same amount of people, but in a larger way, because there's additional prohibitions falling on them, actually is, is uh, touched on in the following dispute, in the following machlokas, Let's get into this. It's fascinating. We're now going to touch on uh, Shabbos. The laws of Shabbos. Coming right up in a few hours. Alright, here we go. Zar Shashimesh B'Shabbos. If you have a non-Kohen who does the Avoda on Shabbos. Now, you know, on Shabbos, you're allowed, we, we did the communal uh, service. Right? In general, you're not allowed to do Malach on Shabbos, but in the Beis HaMikdash, by the Mizbeach, it was allowed. By the Kohanim. What if a Zar, what if a regular Yisrael does this? Reb says, you're, you have a double obligation. First of all, you are a non-Kohen who did, the, who did the Avoda, which is a prohibition in and of itself. And secondly, you did it on Shabbos. There's only one transgression. You know what that is? That you're a czar. You're a non-Kohen working the base on Mikdash. Now, Now, whenever you have the Gemara telling us details of the story, very important to take messages. Right? So here we go. Rebchia jumped up, Vinishba, and he took an oath. He swore. What does it mean he swore? Yeah, what does it mean? He swore. He said, in God's name, I know. I know what's happening here is a mistake. Now, kafatz means, why do you got to tell me he jumped? Why is that detail important? Because when you hear falsehood, when you hear sheker, you got to make sure it doesn't gain, it doesn't gain legs. You got to make sure it doesn't gain, gain any traction. You got to stop it in its, in its footsteps. But he says, Ha'avoda, when it comes to the service of the Beis HaMikdash, kach shamati mi Rebbe shtayim. You should know, I heard from Rebbe, the teacher, the Gadol Adar, that you're obligated on two. Kafatz bar kapara v'amar, and bar kapara jumped up, and he says, Ha'avoda, kach shamati mi Rebbe achas. What are you talking about? That's not what Rebbe said. Rebbe said you're only obligated on one. Kach shamati mi Rebbe achas. Hizkel Rebbe Ladun, and Rebbe who said that it's two. He says, no, I swear, I heard from Rebbe, it's going to be two, yeah? So he started to argue, and he started to protect uh, his opinion. And he says like this, Shabbos l'kol nesra, on Shabbos, every Jew is aser and malacha, kishahut rabbi mikdash, however, there are certain malachos that is permitted in the temple, in the base of mikdash. Eitzu kahanam hotron is permitted for the kahanam, the kahanam hotron is but only for kahanam and nobody else. Therefore, you have Zoros and you have Shabbos. You should have both. 
The Bar says only one transgression. He says, no, Shabbos Lakom Nezra. Shabbos Zasser to do Malacha for anybody. When it's Mutter in the Mikdash, Hutra Ain Khan El Lazarus. All that's left is the, the prohibition of a non Kohen working and not the prohibition of Shabbos. Once you're in the Mishkan, there's no prohibition for anybody. Don't tell me it's only for Gahanim. No, there's no prohibition for anybody. It's only the non Kohen issue. So what do you see? A dispute in Isserkola. Amazing. Balmom Shashimesh Betuma. What about this? If you have a Kohen, you have a priest. Supposed to do the service. Supposed to do the Avoda. Okay? Now there are certain things where if a, if a Kohen has these blemishes, he's not permitted to do the Avoda publicly. And we, we, we explain the background of why we didn't need any sort of particular distractions. There are people distracting from their ultimate uh, involvement, their ultimate oneness with Hashem. So when it comes to a Baal Mum, a Kohen who has a, a Mum, who does the Avoda when he's tummy. So there's a double issue here. First of all, he's got a Mum, he's got a blemish. Secondly, he's, he has Tumma. He has impurity. So Reb says he's obligated in two. He's got a double whammy. Two things taking place with him why he wasn't permitted to do it, he did anyway. jumps up and he says, what do you mean? I heard it's two. Bakapara jumps up. No, I heard one. And they start to defend their positions. Reb starts to defend his position that it was two. And he says, no one is allowed to be, you know, in the area of the base of Mikdash in a state of impurity. But his mutter, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to a carbon seabor, it's a gahanatri mojro. That's only for a Kohen who's capable of doing the avoda because he doesn't have any blemishes. But a Kohen of blemish never has this leniency. Hence, double prohibition. Fine. Therefore, he's got the double whammy. Two transgressions on his plate. His began, he says, no, 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 let me tell you something, sweetie pie. Tumma la kol nesra, Tumma's also for everybody, and once it became permitted in the base on Mikdash, Hutra, for a carbon seaboard, it's now permitted to anybody. And therefore, the issue of being impure is no longer around. Because that's taken care of. It didn't only apply to a pure, uh, to a complete Kohen. It applies even to a blemish Kohen. Fine. That it's permitted in the state of Tumah. So what's the only issue here? The blemish. And therefore you're only obligated on one. So again, you see a dispute about Isser Kolo. A third situation where we see a dispute. Also continuing um, a, a conversation within the, the times of the Mishkan. Times of the of the um, when we had the mizbeach and the sacrifices. If you have a non kohen who ate a bird that was slaughtered with malika, okay, with the the um, the process of the fingernail, and then they would take the blood, sprinkle it on the mizbeach. Rabbiya says you're obligated in two. First of all, listen to this. That's not the regular type of slaughtering that's done in order to in order to have kosher meat. That was only permitted for Kohanim and on this bird that a Kohen's allowed to eat. Okay, so listen to this. A regular Jew who's not a Kohen, doesn't have the status of a Kohen. We never ate meat that was slaughtered through Malika. So listen to this, it's amazing. 
this guy has a carbon and he's eating it. It was it was shechted with malika, and um, it was it's also kachim. It's also food that's too holy for him to eat. So he's got a double transgression eating something that's not shechted for you. Yeah, it's not considered a shechita for you, perhaps. Plus, it's sacrificial, it's sacrificial meat. What do Again, each one starts to defend this position. Once it's only permitted for the kahanim, the kahanim but nobody else. And this guy is a regular Jew. And therefore, you have the double transgression. You're double whammied. Okay. Hiskabakabara gets up and he says, No, Nevela Kol Nesra, Nevela is prohibited to have anybody because Hutra Mikdash. When it comes permitted in the base of Mikdash, Hutra, that's that's when it becomes permitted, and that's out the window. We are not nervous about that transgression. Ain Khan Elamisham Zaras. Hence, we're left only with the prohibition of him being a czar that's eating from the sacrificial meat. Okay. Bottom line is why are we listing all these three Cases that seemingly we jumped from the laws of marriage and relationships and, and yibum, right? When one brother's dying childless and who's permitted, not permitted. And all of a sudden we entered three different categories where we had a dispute between Barakapara and Rebchia about the laws of sacrifices and things that took place in the Beis HaMikdash. And they're going at each other. How do we get on this tangent? So let's keep the global view of what this conversation is. And that is because we want to find, we want to show that there's already been three previous disputes concerning Isser Kola. Okay, when you have, again, when you have a transgression and another transgression comes, it's not impacting more people per se, but it's adding additional uh, issues onto the same group of people. Does that second transgression remain in place or not? So we're seeing, we're just showing that it originally was a dispute amongst the Tanoyim as well. Bezrim tomorrow, we'll pick up after Shabbos at 9.30. We'll, we'll, give a, we'll continue on 9.30 p.m. tomorrow night. But um, the Gemara Bez Hashem will get into the kishkas, we'll get into the intestines of, uh, of, you know, we don't argue because we decide to argue. So if we're going to have this big uh, world-class conversation and discussion, there's got to be biblical backing to each side. Why does you know why are we arguing? Where's where is each opinion stemming from? What are the, what sources do they have to back them up? So all of that, uh, Bez Hashem, we will uh, get into tomorrow evening. Again, we'll pick up nine thirty. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.